0: Amen. If you would remain standing, our scripture reading this evening will come from the book of Hebrews and the second chapter. We'll read together just the first four verses. Our text will primarily come from verse 1 and somewhat from verse 2, but the focus will be verse 1 today of chapter 2. Once again, give your attention to the reading and the hearing of the Word of God. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, we ask tonight that you would cause the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the business world, there is a famous account of an opportunity that Blockbuster Incorporated had in the year 1999 to 2000 they had an opportunity in front of them to purchase Netflix for $50 million. The CEO of Blockbuster is said to have laughed at such an idea that anyone would think him foolish enough to purchase Netflix for that outrageous sum of money. Twenty-three years later, there is no more Blockbuster. They are bankrupt, and Netflix, whatever you might think of that company, is worth $188 billion dollars. The opportunity came, the opportunity was rejected, the opportunity passed by. Well, we might think of many occasions in our lives where things like that happen to us, maybe not to the tune of $188 billion, but things that we wish we had done financially we didn't do. The Lord brings us to a much greater concern tonight. He brings us to the great concern of the soul and the way of salvation that has been declared to us in Hebrews chapter 1 through Jesus Christ the Son. And he is warning us in the first verse of chapter 2 that we need to take the most earnest heed to it, lest we drift away from him who has spoken. You might remember there was that great account in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus went to the place of the Gadarenes. There he met a man that was demon-possessed. He could not live at home, for he raged, he broke ropes, he went around like a wild animal. When the demon was speaking to Jesus, Jesus heard his name, and his name was Legion, for they were many. And you remember that Jesus was there in that land, and the demon asked to be thrown into the swine, and the swine ran into the river. And here was the great God man in front of those people. And there he was, the only one in heaven or on earth that could cast out demons at that time, and he went and he did it. The demons had no power over Jesus. They saw his greatness and his glory. And what did the people, what did the Gadarenes do? They said to Jesus, please depart from our land. There he was, salvation in the flesh, and they wanted nothing to do with him. They asked him to leave, and so he went. We've spent some time considering that first chapter of Hebrews. God spoke to us in time past, to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, God has spoken to us not through the prophets, but through his own Son, Jesus Christ. He's perfect in every way. There is none other like him. There is none other messenger like him. For he is the one who has been appointed heir of all things. The one who is has made the worlds, The one who is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person. The one who by his word alone upholds all things by the word of his power. And it's him who by Himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the Father on high, and even now is ruling and reigning, waiting till that day when He will rise again and come back to the earth with power, glory, and judgment. Jesus Christ has spoken to us in these last days the very Word of God. And God now is taking the great the great message of that first chapter, and He's applying it to us. Listen to Him. Therefore, Because of these great things, we must give attention to him. The text is very well divided tonight among three sections. The first word, therefore, the middle phrase, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, and then the final phrase, lest we drift away. And that's how we're going to approach this text today. And I want us to consider then this word that comes to us, therefore. I'm not the person that coined this phrase, but I've heard it many times before that wherever there is a therefore or a wherefore in the Scripture, we need to find out what it's there for. It's a very important word. It looks back at what has come before it, and it's going to apply what came before to us now. That's what happens in every situation when you see the word therefore in the Scripture. Something that came before is now going to be applied. In chapter 1, we had doctrine after doctrine after doctrine. I would go further and say it was glory after glory after glory presented to us. Now, what are we to take from it? An argument was made for us that Jesus Christ rules supreme, that there is no other greater than him, not the prophets, not the angels, not Moses, not anybody. He's above all and over all, and he alone has the perfect way of salvation because he alone is the all-sufficient high priest. Therefore, we're called to do something about it. We need to give very special attention to this word because God is calling us to draw our attention to everything that we've heard, and now we are called to listen to him. It's a most important thing coming to us. You might remember, therefore, in Romans chapter 8, there is no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Because of Christ who came, therefore, and who died, therefore, there is no more condemnation on his people. We need to listen to God as he's spoken to us in these last days through his Son. This is the urgent call of God's Word. It's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament that our attention would be drawn to God who spoke and to the ones that are speaking his holy word. In Isaiah 55, the Lord God says, Listen carefully to me. Hear what is good. Let your soul delight in abundance. We're called to listen to him who spoke. Not just to gaze upon him, not just to think in all about what the glories that we've just read of in Hebrews chapter 1, but we're called to listen, to pay attention, to listen carefully, because what God has said is good. The psalmist, in Psalm 81, we read it at our opening, we'll read another section of the psalm here. In Psalm 81, verse 10 The Lord God says this, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart, to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies. And turn my hand against their adversaries. Oh, that my people would listen to me. The cry of the Lord in the Old Testament is nail the call of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Jesus Christ is speaking. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh to purge our sins. Oh, that we would give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Lest we drift away. Always the call to listen to God. But now the call is heightened because of the one who speaks. How are we to listen to God? What kind of listening are we to give? Well, the the text gives us this word. We're to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Listen to this progression. Not more heed, not just earnest heed, but more earnest heed. We don't always talk this way in English, but when something is being emphasized, we see it in in the Scripture. More abundantly. More earnest heed to the things that the Lord God would have us to hear. Our fathers should have listened long ago in the Old Testament. They had the prophets. Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is giving that defense before the council, he says that they had the ministration of angels speaking to them the word of God. That as part of the Old Testament is given, it's communicated through the angels of God to the people of God. They had what was sufficient for that time. Prophets, sinful men who were born and eventually died and were with the people no more. During that time, they spoke the word of God as God appointed it for them. And the people were called to believe it. And if they did not listen to the Lord God through his prophets then, they perished. The wilderness is that example. There was that man, meek more than all other men, Moses. And he spoke the very word of God that came to him on Sinai or in the tabernacle and other places And he spoke to them, and what happened? They would rebel, they would reject, they would not listen to the Lord God. And even though it was coming through a mere man, God held them accountable for not listening to him through his prophets. How much more when God speaks through his very own Son, when he speaks through the greatest of all prophets, when he speaks through the perfect prophet, the one who reveals the Word of God to us in the very flesh, because he's the Word made flesh. How much more special attention ought we to give to the Word of God spoken as it has come to us in Christ Jesus himself. They were held accountable back then. How much more will we be held accountable for we have a more excellent revelation? Jesus describes that, doesn't he? He says that the least in the kingdom of God has more revelation, I'm summarizing here, more revelation than those of old because we've seen Jesus. They've looked ahead by faith in the Old Testament. They had to look ahead to the promised Messiah who would come. When will he come? We believe that he'll come, but they're always looking forward. Now we in the New Testament era, we're not looking forward to him coming, except for the second time, for he has come. And he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again the third day. He accomplished all his promises. What greater blessings we have now than they did of old, and they were held accountable in the Old Testament if they would not listen how much more will we be held accountable if we will not listen to the Lord God who has spoken? We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Well, I want to draw our attention to another word in that phrase, and that is this word, give heed. Give heed to the things that we have heard. The idea here in this word is actually a, a, an idea like that of a ship, a ship that is going out and sailing in rough seas, and there is a port and a place of safety, a dock, a place of landing, and there to give heed to it and to turn in and be rescued from the storm. That's the idea, that's the sense here, to bring near, to bring a ship to land, to be attentive to the voice of him who speaks, to apply oneself to the thing that is spoken of. We are to bring ourselves near to the mighty hand of God. We are to examine the refuge that is freely offered to sinners in Jesus Christ, who by himself purged our sins in chapter 1. And we're to see that the hand of the Lord is stretched out like in Proverbs 1, calling sinners to repent and to believe and take refuge in no one else, but in Jesus Christ and to come in and take hold of him who has spoken, to believe on him who speaks, and to find refuge and everlasting life on the rock of our salvation that's what's meant here to give more earnest heed to come to the one that has spoken and to find our refuge in him what a refuge what a refuge in a storm we sing about that don't we the refuge in the time of storm and here is that refuge we've spent much time speaking of the glories of the sun but no greater glory for us than this that he saved his people from their sins, that he offered himself a sacrifice for our sins. We are being tossed about. We are tossed about even before our conversion as those that were dead in their sins, unable, unable to do anything for themselves, for they were dead men tossed to and fro in a wild, turbulent sea. And the Lord God, by his power and his grace, he stretches out his hand in mercy. If you want to think about that as the gospel call, by all means, think about that. Repent and believe the gospel and you shall be saved. The hand of the Lord is stretched out in the storm and we are to take hold of him by faith and live. That's what's been presented in chapter 1. And now the Lord is saying, we must, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard from God. We must be given over. There is one commentator who speaks of this word and says, we must be addicted to the things of the Lord that have been spoken. Like the picture comes to mind of an addict who cannot break free of his addiction. Think We think of addiction in a bad way. That's how it's often used. The addict who can't break free but for the supernatural power of God to convince him of sin and misery and to give him power over that sin. But the sense here is that we are to be so filled with the Lord that we are to be addicted to His Word, to the Word of the Lord that has been spoken, that we would give all our attention, our time, the best of it, to the Lord. That we would seek his kingdom first, knowing that all these things will be added unto us. We are to be entirely given over, devoted to, addicted to, the things of the Lord that have been spoken to us in his word. Because there in his word, we have been given the only escape from the storm-tossed seas of the world and death. We have there Jesus Christ revealed to us in his word. We must be devoted to him. Take more earnest heed. Why? Why should we take more earnest heed? Why should this matter to us today? Well, the answer is given in that last phrase, isn't it? Lest we drift away. And the warning is something of the focus of this verse and the verses that follow, which we'll consider in, in more detail, Lord willing, in a future week. But the focus is this last phrase. Lest we drift away. Or some translations have it, lest we slip away. It's a little bit difficult to translate. It's the only time this word appears in the New Testament. Some tra- have translated it, lest we drift away. But the picture here again is, is of the ship. The ship that is supposed to be anchored, but it's not. And what happens is the ship, it just starts drifting with the current because it has no anchor. It is not connected to anything solid, nothing lasting. And so it drifts away. Here's the picture of the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl who is very near to the kingdom of God, who hears the glorious things spoken of God in his word through the prophets and through his Son, but does not take hold of those things by faith. And over time, all those great blessings that were proclaimed, all the hope that the church and the family might have had for that individual, that individual just starts drifting away. It's not a sudden Destruction, that's referenced here. It's a gradual slipping of the one away from Christ Jesus and his word. We might think of it as we've seen, we could imagine, and think back to many friends and people we love sitting in these very pews who were seen so dear and so close and so anchored on Christ, and it became evident that that wasn't the case as they drifted, drifted, drifted away from the rock that is Christ Jesus, from the refuge that is the Lord, until they come, unless they repent, to their own perdition. This is what the Lord's warning us about. Not immediate disaster in this text, but the slow drifting away. It's often, we might think about it here, just uh, in very practical ways, attending to the means of grace. In the church, the worship of God, as so often is the case, if if you've observed anything, you see that as people drift from the worship of God, they drift away from God. If people are drifting away from the Lord into sin, so often when you talk to people in sin, you say, how is your scripture and prayer life doing? And you find out there is no scripture reading or prayer life going on. Or if it is, it's very little and they might not be able to remember the last time they read God's word. Here is how God holds us in through His means of grace. His mighty outstretched hand is revealed in His word, and we need to hold fast to Him who holds fast to us, lest we drift away. You might remember in the scripture, there's many examples of this, but you might remember that King Joash. In the Old Testament, this was a king who had quite the childhood when he was a baby his grandmother went about and sought to kill everybody in his line. Killed all his brothers and sought to kill him, but there was a faithful priest named Jehoiada. Jehoiada rescued him from the slaughter, and Jehoiada raised that young Joash as his own son and taught him the ways of the Lord. And you remember, I believe it was at at age seven years old, Jehoiada brought him to the temple, set him against the pillar, and declared that he is the true king. And wicked Athaliah, his grandmother, was put to death, and Joash reigned... He reigned, and he reigned very well. During his reign, the temple was repaired. The proper worship of God was restored. As long as priest Jehoiada was there, Joash held the word of God. But then that old faithful priest passed away. And Joash, who once had been the faithful king, started listening to his unsaved friends. And he who seemed so near to God was drifting And he drifted so much to the point that when the son of Jehoiada, which would have been like the brother of Joash, came to him warning him of the way he was going, Joash put him to death. He killed the very son of the man who saved him from the murder of his grandmother. And that Joash, who looked like he had so much promise, drifted away until his own servants killed him. Take heed more earnestly to the word of the Lord lest we drift away. There was also that King Uzziah, another example for us. God has given us the Old Testament for our example that we might follow the good ways and be warned by those evil examples in history. Uzziah, that king who had a 52-year reign in Judah. Under his reign, perhaps Judah reached its high point. Its power was mighty. His officers over the mighty men numbered over 2,500. Just the officers. He went and he attacked those Philistines that were always fighting against God's people, and he broke down all the walls of their major cities. He had men who were cunning in the arts of warfare, and they built giant catapults over Jerusalem and on its walls. That's why it was a very feared city. He had over 300,000 soldiers at arms ready to go at his bidding. This man was powerful. God's worship was restored, but Over time, as he saw all this power, just like Deuteronomy 8 warned us, he saw it and he started thinking, I've done this. And he was filled with pride by these things that he saw in his kingdom. So proud was he that he went into the temple and he decided he was going to be the one that was going to burn incense instead of the priests. The priests resisted him. And you remember, there was that powerful King Uzziah and he put forth his hand and leprosy started in his head. And that man of greatness died a leper that no one even wanted to go in and see. He strayed from the Lord. He didn't give more earnest heed to him, and he drifted away. Oh, we could think of many other examples. There was Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the prophet, an eyewitness to some of the greatest deeds that the Lord did in Israel in the Old Testament. He saw the axe floating. He saw Naaman, the leper's uh, general of Syria, made to have flesh like a little child. He would have seen those bears eat the children who mocked God and his prophet. And when the temptation came for him to get a little bit of wealth, he lied about it to Naaman, he lied about it to Elisha, and he, who was the servant of Elisha, became leprous with all his household. Children have done the same thing, haven't they? We've seen children grow up in Christian homes, growing up in the church, and as they get older, they drift away from the Word of God and go their own ways. Oh, God says, give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest you drift away. Adults have done the same thing. This isn't against children or a warning to children only. Adults have started the race strong, like the examples we just saw. But when the battle was tough, when temptations came, when the things of the world pressed in against them, they drifted away from the Lord, for they would not give that most earnest heed to the things that he had spoken. Oh, we must be careful, brothers and sisters, that in this time when the hand of God's salvation is stretched out, that we are not looking at it merely to gaze upon the glories of Christ, which we ought to do. We ought to gaze upon the glory of Christ, but we must not stop there. We must take hold of Christ by faith and do that which he's called us to do, to love him as he's called us to love him, to keep all his commandments, to set his ways before us and not to stray to the right hand or or to the left. We must take earnest heed lest we drift away. But think about this other way that some have translated this, lest it slip away. We think in one translation of us drifting from it. But what about the opportunity that Jesus often gives as he presents the gospel to people that have never heard it before, and they may not be able to hear it again? There was a day that Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown, and he was preaching the kingdom of God. And the people did not want their prophet there, did they? A prophet is not welcome in his hometown. And they sought to kill him in Luke chapter 4, after he told them that the day of salvation was there revealed to them. The day of atonement had come. The day of jubilee was there in their very presence, and they sought to kill him. Salvation slipped away from them that day. Their Christ, in all his glories and benefits, was there before them. And they got rid of him who would give salvation. On the way home from General Assembly in God's good province, providence, I was seated next to a man who was drinking a little bit before the plane ride, and he warned me of that. And he said he might talk a lot because he was drinking. And then he made the mistake of asking me, and Pastor Mike Myers was in the seat next to me, he made the mistake of asking me what we were doing in Chicago. And I was thrilled to tell him that we were there working ultimately to advance the kingdom of grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ and asked him if he knew the gospel. For the next three hours, our plane was delayed out of Chicago. For the next three hours, this man heard the gospel from about 19 different passages. On the plane, this man named Jay, he opened the Bible at 40 years old, the first time ever in his life, and read by himself the first three chapters of Genesis. Never read the scripture before. And we pressed home the gospel to him. And as we were pressing home, the gospel of grace and the glory of Jesus Christ who saves to the uttermost to a man who by 30 minutes in was confessing that he was a sinner and he deserved death. As we were bringing it home to him, he said, I don't want eternal life unless I get myself there. And if I can't get myself there, then I'll get myself somewhere else. And so we told him and warned him, we said, this is the hour of salvation. It has come You must take hold of Christ today, lest you perish tonight and have not him who saves to the uttermost. And he said, I'm willing to take that risk. And after three hours of hearing the gospel, he went his way, willing to let it slip away with every warning that was given. Pray to God that the Lord extends this man's life. That he would take heed to the things that he heard that night and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, I give you this example for this reason. Pray for Jay. But... How much more have we received in our whole lives, listening to the Scripture, the whole of it read, perhaps in our childhood, read to us, explained to us, taught to us? Christ and his benefits have been presented before us in word, in sacrament, in deed. Take heed that we give the more earnest heed to it, lest we let it slip away from us. That promise of salvation is not necessarily given for any time longer than this very moment. At any time, the trumpet can sound, the dead will be raised, the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven, and those that have not the oil of salvation, like those wise virgins of Matthew 25, but are like the foolish virgins and have not Christ, they will not be able to get salvation then. This is the hour and the time of salvation. This is the time to put the trust and to listen to God who has spoken. The issue here is not that God has not spoken sufficiently to us. The issue here is that we have not listened to the Lord God who speaks. Oh, then, let us listen to the Lord God with a diligent, a diligent focus on his word that he speaks to us. For judgment came to those who refused to listen... That's what's referenced in verse 2. The word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. That judgment came then through the word spoken by the prophets. How much more when that word is spoken here and now? Children can probably picture this in a very easy way. When I tell my children, and I send one of my children up to the others and tell them to clean their room, the results are mixed. If I go up and tell all the children to clean their room, the results better not be mixed. We understand something of that. The messenger matters. The president will often send envoys to go and to try and negotiate whatever thing he's trying to negotiate with another country. But what happens when the president himself goes to do it? That's usually when the thing is signed, when the deed is done. The president goes. In times past, the emissaries, the prophets, were sufficient. And if people didn't listen to the prophets, they were judged accordingly. Now we have the greatest of all, Christ Jesus come to us. He's spoken in these last days. He's done the great work he came to do. Oh, may we listen to Christ Jesus who has spoken. So there is this warning. There is this warning in the negative that Christ gives, that if we will not heed and give earnest heed to the things that we have heard, we are in danger of drifting away, leaving our first love, letting slip that great salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ that is freely offered in the gospel. Positively, we are called to give that most earnest heed to the things that have been spoken to us. So, listen to God as he speaks. Listen to him as he speaks in his word. Don't be like those in that song from the 70s. They were hearing without listening. Don't be like that. Hear and listen. Hear and answer. Respond. Like that man who was asked if he believed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There's a noble answer. There's a Christian answer. Oh, how far short of full knowledge of salvation we come. But oh, do we believe. There are none in heaven who had Too little faith. It's not a measure of quantity in heaven. It's a measure of existence. Do we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Then we shall be saved. The hand of the Lord is stretched out. Now listen to the Lord. Blessed are those who hear God's word. But then, brothers and sisters, that blessing goes further, doesn't it? Not only who hear God's word, but who do God's word. Many hear. Many rejoice at hearing Oh, but then they drift away, going and doing their own deeds. So God has called us tonight not only to hear his word that has been preached and proclaimed, but to do it, to live according to it, eat what is good and live. And so it is altogether proper, for I am the first to admit that I have fallen short of this, giving more excellent and more earnest heed to the things that have been spoken. I trust that many of us have fallen short of that, and we need to repent and ask the Lord not to let us drift But Lord, draw us back. Your hand is outstretched still. Let us take hold of the hand of the Lord our God and listen to him as he speaks tonight. Oh, this is a great sorrow for many who have seen family, friends, and loved ones who have either heard the gospel and grown up under it and left it or who have heard the gospel and it came to them and they rejected it altogether and it slipped away. Oh, but God is faithful God is all-powerful. We heard it this morning that God is all-powerful to save. He's doing it. He will do it. He always will do it until He returns. So we must proclaim and present and bring this glorious gospel to bear on the hearts of men and women, boys and girls who are far from Him. There is safety from the storm of death and dying. There is safety in the port of Christ. There is an anchor that holds fast. It is the anchor of the Lord Jesus, and God in his glorious mercy has in these last days spoken to us by him, by Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our God, we are so thankful that you have not left us to our own devices and our own word but you have brought to us the very word, your very word, that we might hear, know the truth, and be set free by it. We ask tonight that you would please cause us to give the more earnest heed to the things that you have spoken, that we would not drift away. O Lord, we plead with you that not anybody here would ever fall away, but that all would hold fast to the rock that is Christ Jesus and might follow you all the days of their life until they see you face to face in glory. Father, forgive us for turning our ear away from you. Forgive us for being so slow to give heed. Forgive us for hearing your word and turning the other way. O Lord, draw us back to that narrow path on that narrow way that leads to the glorious eternal life in Christ Jesus. And may we never depart from it again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.